This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Four minutes after the hour, it's Monday, October 25th. Good morning and welcome to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us on the Relevant Radio Network and the Relevant Radio app. It's always good to be with you to start your week here on a Monday morning. I want to remind you that on Mondays, traditionally, we pray for the souls in purgatory of our relatives and loved ones. And now, in fact, coming up uh, next month, uh, actually a week from today, the month of November, we remember the holy souls in purgatory, our family and friends who have passed from this earthly life. Join us here at Relevant Radio November 2nd through the 10th as we pray a special novena for your departed loved ones during daily Mass at noon Central, the Chapel of Divine Mercy with Drew Mariani at 3 Central, and of course the Family Rosary across America with Father Rocky at 7 Central. All you have to do is go to relevantradio.com souls to submit your list of departed loved ones who totally need your prayer prayers, and we'll have much more on Purgatory coming up next hour as you're going to hear about a brand new movie uh, that's coming out tonight in select theaters across the country on Purgatory. Now, uh, coming up in a few minutes, financial expert Bill Uliveri, the owner of Seneca Capital Management, will be with us to discuss the latest on the financial markets uh, from a Catholic perspective. And later at the bottom of the hour, we'll talk about the end of Respect Life Month as October comes to a close with Eric Scheidler the National Director of the Pro-Life Action League. Plus, we'll also bring you another episode of Glenn's Story Corner, all that, and much more coming up this hour here on Morning Air. First things first, as we start uh, every day and every hour, we always give thanks to our Lord uh, for the many, many blessings that we receive every day. Every day is a blessing, and every day we ask uh, for many prayers through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, in this year of St. Joseph, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit here on Morning Air when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our power scripture, as we do every show from the playbook of life, is from Romans 8.1. The Apostle St. Paul writes, There is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. How often do you ever feel condemned or about to be condemned? In those moments, we might feel as if people are judging us, and that's because they just might be judging us. We're afraid of not being accepted and even rejected. 
as John Paul II, St. John Paul II said so many times, be not afraid. The good news is there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our Lord Jesus Christ will never reject anyone who sincerely comes to him. Jesus' love is unchangeable and unconditional. Only in him, only in our Lord Jesus can we have absolute security. And we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Now let's talk uh, about our finances. You've probably noticed that you're spending more to fill up your car. I definitely have. And uh, also restocking your pantry and refrigerator. And prices at your favorite grocery store aren't going to be going down anytime soon, according to the experts. Inflation is what is making it hard to stay on budget. And almost everything in every store costs more this month than it did last month. Joining us now to discuss inflation and how the financial markets and Bitcoin is doing in recent days is longtime Morning Air contributor Bill Ulivari, the owner of Senecal Capital Management. Senecal is bridging the gap between traditional investing and digital assets. Good morning, Bill. Welcome back to Morning Air. It's always good to be with you. Thanks again for your time. Oh, good morning. Good morning. It's great to be back with you guys once again. Uh, Bill, uh, can you give us a, a brief uh, financial upstate, uh, update uh, on, on the markets? Uh, what's going on since the last time that, that we spoke? Sure, sure. We'll grab a cup of coffee. Uh, you're going to need your caffeine to get to this because when we talk about inflation and all these economic things, it can be a little bit boring. But my news feeds were completely blowing up this week with the CEO of Twitter and Square. His name is Jack Dorsey. And he tweeted that hyperinflation will soon happen in the United States and for the rest of the world. And I'm going to tell you, it has just lit up a really interesting conversation in the financial world as well. Because the truth is, we don't know if he's correct. It sure feels that way when we go to the grocery store or the gas pump. But there are some inflationary and deflationary forces at work right now. So, you know, I don't know if you remember back in the 70s where we coined the term stagflation. But inflation is when we have monetary or money expansion, like from the Federal Reserve, coupled with slow economic growth. And if there's ever a period in time that I think nails the definition of stagflation, it's where we're living in right now, where the Federal Reserve and a government is just spending like crazy. I mean, trillions and trillions, somewhere between four and nine trillion. Like, we don't even really know how much money has been created. But at the same time, we have this global shutdown in the pandemic. And there is some debt destruction, which is very recessionary and, uh, and deflationary. So one of our cardinal virtues is prudence, right? And we have to make a decision about our finances when we're presented with concrete information and sometimes not so concrete information. And that's kind of where prudence and temperance comes in. So um, it's interesting that the news reports have talked about there's been increases in beef and steak and bacon of about 20% this year. Uh, lodging Airbnb hotels was hit with a 17.5% or 18% price increase. Eggs are 12% higher. Gas is 25% higher. But many of us are suffering from uh, you know less employment and less income, which is really putting a squeeze on us. So the government is reporting that inflation is somewhere between one6 to 6%. Like, Wow, could you drive a truck through those through those rates, right? I mean, so again, these are academics sitting in an office who, you know, are highly, highly paid. And we don't really know if they're even close to getting these numbers correct. And the truth is, when you look at this thing called the Consumer Price Index, 
it is probably one of the most manipulated and least accurate numbers that has ever been invented uh, or created. So you have these all these government-employed statisticians, you know, are just constructing these uh, theoretical baskets of goods, measuring the changes of what you and I spend and the listeners spend. And it's it's wildly inaccurate because they really change the things inside the basket in order to fit the narrative that they want to use. And it's it's absolutely insane. Bill, uh, I, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, uh, I know that uh, I'm paying a lot more at the gas p- pump. So the 25% increase that you described doesn't surprise me. The one thing that is kind of shocking, I saw a report uh, over the weekend of nearly $8 a gallon gas in a, in one California town. I mean, that's like unbelievable. That, that's third world type uh, prices. Well, it's third world. It's also like first world as well, like in, in Finland and the Netherlands. You know, they, they pay exorbitant prices for gas, but it's also a lot of taxes. Like they don't want people using energy, you know, in different parts of the world. But you're right, John. And this is the thing. So when you, when you if you're earning $100 a day and you spend it all on gas or on a ribeye steak and a potato dinner, the, the, the basket of goods that's called the Consumer Price Index you know, puts that at $10, right? That's like, um, or $100, right? You spend, you're spending $100 on food, on, on necessary items. But if inflation kicks in and it makes a steak, dinner, or to fill up your car double the price, like what if it costs $200 to fill up your car, right? But your daily wage remains $100. What happens to the price of the goods? It can't double because you can never afford the $200 that it costs for those goods. So what the government does is it says, well, if you can't afford $200 to fill up your car, they'll probably take the Metro or the bus. So we're going we're gonna to take not $200, but we're going to drop the cost of using transportation to $2.25 because that's what it takes to, to take the, the L, the elevated train or the, the local bus. So it's a hugely inaccurate index because they continually change the things inside. But you're right. I mean, we've had supply chain issues. We have monetary expansion. We have a global shutdown. We have people ordering more supplies and goods and supplies to make up for the fact that there's going to be shortages down the road. And all these things have just wreaked havoc with our numbers and with our economy. And the truth is, we're not really sure what's going on right now. But um, we do seem to have slower economic growth globally. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of slowing prices and commodities with lumber and energy lately. China is really slowing down. We have a debt issue where one of their largest real estate investment trusts is basically bankrupt with untold number of debt not being paid. So we have we have a lot of energy in the marketplace that might not necessarily be um, recognizable when you're watching the news or listening to the radio. There's a lot of things happening behind the scenes. So right now, I think our listeners have to prepare for inflation, right? Because that's what we're seeing right now and shortages. So. You know, I, I created this little, this little report, these little six little things of, um, you know, six ways to avoid being robbed by inflation is what I'm going to call it. I'm going to run through the list real quick here before we run out of time. So one, you should purchase and store a little bit of extra food and canned food that your family normally eats. Uh, so for every can of food you pay a dollar for today, if it costs 10 cents more in six months, that's a 20% annually annualized savings you're not going to get a 20% return out of the stock market in the next year, I think. So again, go to the store, 
Only buy the things you normally eat. This is just to save a little bit of money at the store. Don't buy cases of cans of corned beef hash if you don't eat that. Uh, number two, inflation is a huge, huge unfair tax on the elderly because they're the most likely to own a lot of bonds, and they buy bonds for safety because they don't want to be in the stock market. So for every 1% increase in interest rates, your long-term or either intermediate bond funds can drop by as much as 15%. So please, log into your 401ks, talk to your investment advisor, see how much your bond stock um, allocation is, like how much do you own of each, and make sure that you don't have too, too much exposure to old, like long-dated bonds, 30-year bonds, 15-year bonds, because that could really, really put a dent in your portfolio if rates begin to uptick. Number three, the classic way of defending against inflation is to own a few gold coins. Again, don't get cured away. Gold is nowhere near a, an annual high. We're still 15, 20% off the highs. Uh, gold really hasn't been that much of an inflation hedge. It actually rallies when the stock market rallies and generally it declines when the market declines. So I know people like to think that gold is a huge inflation hedge. But it's an inflation hedge and a protection of purchasing power over time, not like a six-month deal, but a six-year deal. So, again, you know, maybe take 5% of your earnings, you know, go to a reputable dealer, uh, you know, buy a gold coin or gold bullion. You can own gold exchange-traded funds in your IRA or your 401k. And I do not recommend purchasing shares of gold companies. These little Canadian gold stocks or these micro-cap gold stocks, I mean – more money is blown and thrown away and wasted at, at buying these little uh, lottery tickets called gold shares. So you got to be careful with that. Um, also, for those people that are still employed, you know, low, or even if you're not employed, you have a, a self-directed 401k. You got to log into your account. Make sure that um, you know. Take a look and see if there is something called a tips option. T I P S. T I P S is called Treasury Inflation Protection Securities. It's like a bond fund except it has inflation, which ruins bonds, you know, which, which ruins yield on bonds. It has like this insurance policy inside that provides protection when we see higher inflation rates. So higher inflation, bonds usually go down. A slightly higher inflation tips bond funds generally do not go down and actually go up in value. Uh, of course, for, as a company, we're leaning toward um, investing in more gas utilities and real estate investment trusts because uh, the portfolios are paying about 6% in dividend yield. So that will help offset uh, inflation if your investments are spinning off between 45 and 6.5% uh, yield. And lastly, I think you've got to own a little bit of Bitcoin. Why? Because Bitcoin is a hedge against inflation. It's a clean, sturdy, recognizable, um, faithful currency, right? And so uh, maybe 2 or 3% of Bitcoin, if you, can, you know, are tech-savvy enough to get your hands on it, or again, you can buy some uh, derivatives in your 401k that own Bitcoin, and so you can have a little bit of protection there. So a lot of ways to offset inflation, and these are just a few of the ways. And if anybody wants to reach out to me, I can uh, email these to you and, and send you the links. Uh, we're joined by Bill Ulaveri, the owner of Seneca Capital Management, talking about our finances and what's going on uh, with the economy, the stock market, with prices, uh, kind of looking at inflation, everything that's going on. Uh, 
would you agree that it'd be a good idea if someone is not uh, super experienced in dealing with their own uh, finances, if they have a financial expert that they can tap into to maybe help direct them with a few of these ideas, these six ways that you've uh, described uh, to uh, be able to protect oneself from inflation? Of course, John. Listen, and this is this is the predicament I find myself in, and that is, you know, yeah, give me a call. I'll be happy to help you with this. This is what we do. But if you have a trusted advisor, if you have a, an accountant that works with an advisor, I would suggest that you have a conversation there. But, you know, it's also maybe time to learn a little bit about your own finances because the truth is, even though it may sound complicated, it may be intimidating, it really is the best if you learn what your investments are doing yourself, right? Or at least have someone help you identify the amount of risk that you're taking in your portfolios because you need a little bit of risk. You need growth because we still are just technology is bringing a lot of growth and, you know, uh, profits to the ledger side of the S&P 500 and the Russell 2000. You, you know, you don't get out of everything. I mean, that's the last thing I'm saying, but I'm saying that you need to take a look at what's going on. Just like you need to check the tires in your car or the gas level of your tank. It's your responsibility. The buck stops with you, right? But at the same time, you need to, if you can't do it, Find someone else that can do it for you. And I tell my, you know, I tell my friends that St. Jose Maria Escriva, the founder of Opus Dei, has this amazing portfolio. When I, when I say him, I mean the work has, you know, centers all over the world. We have schools, corporate works. It's an amazing institution. What any Catholic institution has created along, I'm not just singling out Opus Dei, but, you know, Jose Maria never owned a toolbox. Right. He found craftsmen that were highly skilled and did their work with love and that love became a prayer. And so, again, to take that perspective, don't think of it as a drudgery or a burden. Try to approach your finances with love. And I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. But, you know, that's that's the call that we are made to answer when you're trying to sanctify yourself to do things we don't like to do. Uh, Bill, I know we've talked about uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin uh, over the last few months, uh, practically every show. I just want to get a quick update from you. Uh, I I understand this past week uh, was a historic week for Bitcoin. Uh, There's a lot of talk about Bitcoin, the importance of of investing in Bitcoin. Can you give us a a quick uh, thumbnail sketch uh, on the latest? So in the last month, it's rallied from around forty-three to forty-five thousand dollars a token, up to sixty-six thousand a token. Just the other day, it has pulled back a little bit. It seems to be staying within its band of expected forecasting model. But again, we have more and more mutual funds, more institutional traders. Um, you know, PayPal, Mastercard, Visa, embracing the blockchain technology. We have the and the biggest news this week uh, was the exchange traded fund created by a company called ProShares. Now I haven't really dug into it. I'm not recommending it yet, but there is more and more retail products for investors to buy a little bit of exposure to Bitcoin in their IRA or 401k without going through the hassle of doing it like physically. So uh, this is for another show, uh, but yes, Bitcoin has done very well in the last month. Again, it's a deflationary currency, which means there's a limited supply. So the theory is, there's only demand for Bitcoin. It's never a supply issue like there is with U.S. dollars where you can create infinite number of them at the push of a button. 
So what makes Bitcoin, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, there are people who are actually speculating that Bitcoin could go uh, as high as 100,000 per token uh, by the end of this year. Do you think that that's pie in the sky or can you see potentially that actually happening? It's been as high as uh, 66,000 as you just described. John, you are asking the wrong person because I am is I am more excited about the proposition of Bitcoin than any other asset class. Not only do I think it's going to go to a hundred thousand by the end of this year, I think it could be in the millions in ten more years. So you can't really get nothing but an incredibly optimistic answer from me because I I understand how it works. I see the conversation in the background. I know there's a limited supply. It's a global currency. I, I have never been more bullish on anything in my, except my kids, right? um, <laughs> Even, than, than Bitcoin. You know, uh, so the, the other day I heard Drew Mariani <laughs> saying he remembers talking to you years ago and you were suggesting to get involved in Bitcoin. He says, man, I wish I'd have listened to Bill Ulivari. Well, you know, the three richest guys on the trading floor were shoulda, coulda, and woulda. <laughs> so you can't let, don't, you, can't, you don't drive looking in the rearview mirror, right? In hindsight, we have to look forward. And I still think that that you can't get cured away two, three, four, five percent maximum to Bitcoin because if something happens and you lose it all, your retirement future has not been sidelined and into a car crash. Um, there, I, I cannot, I can't, I can talk for hours about how excited Bitcoin is and what's happening and how it's helping the poor. There's just there's just so many interesting things to the Bitcoin conversation, John. Um, but yeah, you can now buy it using products in your IRA and 401k, and you can just take you know two percent, three percent, five percent, and as simple as you can buy the S and P 500 or IBM, General Motors, any share of company in your account, you can now easily do it with with um, in your in your account at your brokerage firm, and, and we can help you with that because a year ago there was like two products, now there are 30 products. So again, please feel free to reach out to us and. Maybe I should do a report just on how to buy Bitcoin uh, maybe next month with, you know, with the, the best looking exchange traded funds and ways you can do that. Absolutely. Well, Bill, as always, thanks so much uh, for your expertise and your insights. I always appreciate your perspective. Uh, where can the folks uh, contact you? They can contact me by calling 847-686-4800 or visit our website at SenecaCapital.com and fill out that little form. Or for anybody who's tech savvy, you can text the word blockchain to 22828 and begin receiving our free blockchain advisor newsletter. Sounds great. Thanks again. Bill Ulivari, owner of Senecal Capital Management, SenecalCapital.com. We need to take a break when Morning Air continues. Eric Scheidler, the National Director of the Pro-Life Action League, will join us to talk about the end of Respect Life Month. As the month of October is coming to a close, we'll talk about ways to get involved in pro-life evangelism. Stay with us. There's much more to come as Morning Air continues on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Thirty 
minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us this morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Now, we're in the final days of Respect Life Month, and we're continuing to pray the rosary here at Relevant Radio for an end of legal abortion in our nation. On Friday, we got some good news on the pro-life front. The Supreme Court announced that it will hear two challenges against Texas heartbeat law, which prohibits most abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy. Now, despite immense pressure from the Biden administration and abortion groups to do otherwise, the Supreme Court will allow the Texas law to remain in effect pending the outcome of these challenges for which the courts are going to begin to hear oral arguments coming up on November 1st. How is the pro-life movement responding? What can we do? How can we get involved in the pro-life movement? Joining us now is Eric Scheiler to talk about uh, Respect Life Month here as uh, Respect Life Month is coming to a close. Eric is the executive director of the Pro-Life Action League, which is based in Chicago. Eric speaks frequently on pro-life activism, religious liberty, marriage, and the family to audiences across our nation, and of course is a regular contributor to Morning Air. Good morning, Eric. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. Always good to be with you, especially here uh, as we head down the stretch uh, of Respect Life Month. Great to be with you, John. Eric, uh, I wanted to, first of all, uh, get your reaction to last Friday's uh, announcement by the Supreme Court that it will hear these two challenges to the Texas heartbeat law. Well, this Texas heartbeat law sure keeps us on our toes. It seems like every couple of weeks is a new breaking story that we have to try to get our heads around. And now the Supreme Court has decided to take two challenges to this Texas law, which so far remains in force. One is from Whole Women's Health, which is an abortion facility network that operates in Texas and several other states. And the other is from the Department of Justice. President Biden has instructed Merrick Garland and Department of Justice to uh, try to overturn this Texas law. And so they filed a lawsuit as well on behalf of the federal government. So there's a, a major challenge, two major challenges to this law, and the Supreme Court has agreed to take them, which on the one hand sounds um, discouraging because as long as the court does not take that case, it remains in force. And so I was receiving a host of emails from both sides of the, of the issue on Friday as this news is breaking with celebration from the pro-abortion side that the the Supreme Court is taking this, but also anger that they haven't put it for a preliminary injunction on this law and stopped it during the time that the Supreme Court would be taking this challenge. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, again, it's a puzzling law because it involves, you know, what seems on the the face of it, a pretty basic uh, uh, measure that says abortions can't take place once a fetal heartbeat can be detected. The, The tricky part is that this law is not enforced by agents of the state. Uh, you, you know, you, you don't. If, you, if someone's breaking the law, it's not the police who come. It's not the attorney general who brings the lawsuit. It's not, you know, the state of Texas that acts in, in, in to defend the child. It's a regular citizens, anyone from Texas or from any state, who believes that an, an illegal abortion has taken place, can sue that person uh, for a fine as opposed to jail time, ten thousand dollars for the abortionist. Now, it's very two very important things to note that have been largely overlooked in the media about this law. Number one, there's no penalty for the woman, the mother of the child. We recognize the incredible pressure, often coercion, 
even threats of violence that the woman is under when it comes to the choice of abortion. And another very important part of this is that $100 million has been set aside to help women to choose life for their babies, make it easier. So the state of Texas is putting its money where its mouth is in providing help uh, for women who are facing those untimely pregnancies. But it's a very unusual law, and we'll have to see what the Supreme Court does with it. The good news for us now is that the court seems willing to uphold this t- type of measure and to, uh, to proceed cautiously, and abortion has halted in Texas. And the reality is that abortion continues to be in the news practically every day. Um, the good news for at least a few more days is that uh, babies will continue to be uh, saved in the state of Texas. They're estimating anywhere from 50 to 100 babies have been saved every single day uh, since this law went into effect in September. I think one of the important things about this type of uh, a measure um, is that so many women do not want to get those abortions. And I've been, I've been saying that when the secular media has asked me about this. Well, aren't women just going to go to other states and get abortions? Aren't they just going to get abortion pills through the mail? Yes, some of them are. And we've been watching these developments with serious concern. We've seen that abortions have seemed to go up in nearby states to Texas, in New Mexico, even Illinois. Abortion facilities are reporting women are coming from Texas we know that several organizations are ramping up their illegal chemical abortion delivery plans to, uh, you know, mail abortion pills all around the country. Uh, and in, these are, in many cases, illegal, in most cases, uh, illegal um, measures. And so we have to watch closely, very, very hard to stop something that's happening through the mail like that. Uh, we need to, uh, you know, to sound the alarm when we see that that's happening. But it, it, nevertheless, for so many women, the fact that this law is now in place is going to be to them a great relief because they don't have to go through with an abortion they don't want. And for many women, you know, they're looking for a sign. We, we see it again and again. People will come upon one of our displays of abortion victim photos and say, I was just asking God for a sign about this pregnancy I learned about. What should I do? This is my sign. The law in Texas for many of these women will be a sign that they're not supposed to go through with it. And a sense of great relief for them that they don't have to go through with this horrible thing someone else is pushing them to do. Well, Eric, um, we've been uh, celebrating uh, Respect Life Month here in the month of October, uh, praying uh, the Rosary for Life every night with Father Rocky, with uh, tens of thousands of listeners uh, praying for an end to abortion. And, um, there's so much that's being done. There's been a lot of rallies across the country. Uh, how has the Pro-Life Action League been uh, being involved in celebrating uh, life here this month? Well, we've just been on our toes preparing for the Dobbs versus Jackson hearing, getting together plans for nationwide uh, prayer vigils to take place and other things when, when that huge t- case out of, out of Mississippi, with all the focus on the Texas law, I think we've sometimes forgotten that a, a really massive cases coming up December 1st at the Supreme Court, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, which is the case that could overturn Roe versus Wade. So we're putting together, uh, we've really spent our Respect Life Month putting together plans for that hearing that's coming up in December. We've also had the opportunity to um, confront President Biden himself with the reality of abortion. Um, and uh, when he visited Elk Grove Village in the suburbs of Chicago to talk about his ma- ma- vaccine mandate, we were out there uh, showing the face of abortion. And I'm, I'm pleased to tell you that the motorcade with President Biden and, and the rest of his 
guests and, and people speaking at that event in Elk Grove Village passed right by our signs. There is no way the president, unless he was taking a nap or something, uh, there's no way he didn't see those pictures and, and our slogan saying abortion takes a beating heart and our signs that said, Joe Biden, what about this little guy, this 15-week old child who was destroyed by abortion? We chose those pictures because the Mississippi law would limit abortion after 15 weeks. We wanted the president to see exactly what it is he's supporting by, by trying to overturn the, uh, uh, the Mississippi law that's going to be, go, be going before the Supreme Court. So we've been extremely busy out on the front lines. And, uh, you know, if listeners want to keep up with the Pro-Life Action League, I really encourage you to go to our website, prolifeaction.org, and sign up for emails and, and catch us on Facebook at Pro-Life Action. We're staying super busy, and we're, you know, recruiting more and more new folks all the time to collaborate with us. That's really what we're all about, partnering with pro-life people who just want to do something uh, practical and organized and coordinated with their fellow pro-lifers around the country. We'll put you to work being a voice for the unborn child during Respect Life Month and during the other 11 months of the year, too. Um, Eric, um, there's a lot of other organizations uh, across our country that have been uh, really trying to, to make a difference in this fight against abortion. I, I was uh, kind of uh, impressed by what I saw from our friends at Live Action who have a movement uh, to let people know uh, how many abortions are actually happening in this country. I think that the average person has no idea of the number of abortions that happen every single day in the United States. According to Live Action, that number is... 2,363, and so they have a campaign, the 2363 campaign, uh, to just basically let people know that this is going on day after day after day, and no one seems to report on it, nobody ever talks about it. Yeah, you know, it is shocking when people learn what the actual, and it's not just that number, 2363, that's an staggering number to think of, of innocent human And it's come down, it's come down, it used to be almost 4,000 at one time. That's right. I mean, there's been a, tr- a tremendous drop in the abortion rate. And a lot of that is down to pro-life people showing the reality of abortion and reaching out and all the ultrasound pictures people see on their refrigerators. And, and there's many other factors going on, too, changes in the way that people are being intimate. And, and some of those changes are, are not so good. I mean, there's a, a, a real lack of, of relationship formation in our culture today. So it's a, it's a mixed kind of a, a statistic, but every life saved is one to celebrate. Um, but on the flip side of it, 2,363 a day, it's just, it's just mind-boggling. The, in, think of the 10,000-plus abortions that happen very late in pregnancy every year. People say late-term abortion is extremely rare. Well, on paper maybe, but in reality, there's over 10,000 of those abortions a year. Uh, the truth about abortion is really staggering. And so I really call upon everybody right now to, to learn more and be able to talk about this with your friends and neighbors. Because when you have the facts and figures at your fingertips, then you're able to, to really open people's eyes. And people are ready. They're ready to hear this. They don't want to support abortion. They want a good reason to stand against it and to shore up their views against it. Because most people have an instinct that abortion isn't right. They just don't quite know what to do with that instinct we can inform them educate them and turn them into advocates for life and eric uh, pro-life action league literally has a cornucopia of information there's so much stuff uh, that one can learn uh, about uh, the reality of abortion and defending life uh, just on your own website uh, over the years uh, some of those resources have been so helpful to so many uh, pro-life warriors that are on the front lines 
we have an amazing little handbook called Sharing the Pro-Life Message. It's, it's about 118 pages. It's a little tiny thing that fits in your pocket. And it's packed with information like abortion rates, answers to really tough questions that you're going to encounter when you talk about this issue, the facts about Planned Parenthood and their horrible role in abortion, the fact that almost half, at this point, <laughs> nearly half of abortions are done by Planned Parenthood. They've just topped 40 41% of all the nation's abortions. Um, with that little handbook, Sharing the Pro-Life Message, you will have a library of information in your pocket everywhere you go. Eric, we need to take a, a short break, but uh, we're going to continue uh, talking about Respect Life Month and how you can get involved. If you had a chance to participate in a pro-life event this past month, if you were at a pro-life march, if you've prayed outside of abortion clinics, uh, feel free to share your experiences with us. Uh, we have open lines, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We'll take a short break, continue our conversation with Eric Shaw. Executive Director of the Pro-Life Action League. Stay with us. There's much more to come here on Morning Air. Relevant Radio runs on horsepower, your horsepower. Donate any vehicle and keep our stations running. Join in with hundreds of other listeners who have given their unused vehicles at relevantradio.com slash car. From Maui to Maine, you're listening to Morning Air with John Morales. Coast to coast on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 46 minutes after the hour, welcome back to Morning Air on the Relevant Radio Network and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Thanks for being with us this morning as we continue our discussion about Respect Life Month with Eric Schadler, the Executive Director of the Pro-Life Action League. Eric, welcome back. Glad to be with you. Um, Eric, you know, when I think about it, uh, to look at this issue of abortion, we have to look at it through spiritual eyes, because I, I believe it really is a spiritual battle. As uh, John, St. John Paul II, who we celebrated his feast last Friday, said so many times, uh, between the culture of life and the culture of death. Can you talk about uh, this issue of, of abortion from a spiritual perspective as, as a spiritual battle that needs to be fought with spiritual methods? Uh, Methods. Yeah, absolutely, John. You know, uh, when I look at the abortion issue, what, what really strikes me more than anything is how deeply abortion cuts into our very human identity. When you think about it, look at page one of the Bible, what happens? The universe is created, the world is created, and, and human beings are created male and female in the image of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. There on page one of the Bible, we discover our human nature. We're made in the image of God, and that image is expressed through the male and the female. It's expressed through marriage, and God blesses a male and a female. That's a, that's a marriage. He marries the first two humans, they, and they form a family. They create life. And in that discovery of, of, of life within the human relationship, we discover the nature of God, right? So each of us begins our life inside the body of another person. This is a symbol of tremendous intimacy. Think about that for a moment. You know, pray about that. Each person listening to this show began their life inside the body of their mother, inside the body of another person. That's the kind of intimacy that God wants. 
That's the kind of intimacy that we see in a more infinite way in the Trinity, where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit indwell as, as one God, three persons. You know, that's reflected in the, the way that the child and the mother are so indwelling, in a sense, you know, and, and what we see through, through nursing. And then the father comes in and enters into that picture and protects them and, and, and draws the child out. There's a beautiful story about what it means to be a human being that's revealed in pregnancy and childbirth. This is exactly why the evil one goes after the unborn child, to destroy the very meaning of our life. If we can say that the child in the womb has no value, it doesn't mean anything, we're not going to look there to find the true meaning of life. That's really what's happening in abortion. It's not just an attack on, on, on some people. It's not just an attack on one category of persons. It's an attack on the entire human race and what it means to be a human being who is made for relationship and love and care and intimacy and total self-giving, and turns that upside down, makes it an act of selfishness, destroy that reality. That's why the devil attacks the family, and that's why it's so important that we pray and pray and pray and ask God to reveal the truth about humanity to us more and more. Well, Eric, um, despite the numbers that we mentioned uh, a few minutes uh, back, uh, more than 2,300 abortions every single day in this country. And then when you look at the numbers since Roe v. Wade, they're, they're even more mind-boggling. It's hard to put your, your mind around 63 million uh, unborn children that have perished since Roe v. Wade. Despite all those numbers, there's a lot of hope still on the pro-life side, especially with this upcoming case, uh, this Dobbs case coming up on, on December the 1st. Can you uh, give us a few highlights of why you think that uh, there's great hope, why life is winning in America? Well, first of all, we've we've talked about how that number has gone down, that 2363. Also remember that so many of the 2363 unborn babies who innocently die every day, at least someone is there at the abortion facility praying and mourning for them, so they're not utterly utterly abandoned. A, A beautiful spiritual act is still possible, even when abortion takes place, that pushes back against that culture. There's all of those women who have abortions and come later to recognize this was wrong. The men who participated in those abortions who come to realize it was wrong and seek God's forgiveness. So there's still tremendous flowing of grace happening through all of that. We also have this case. This case, it's hard to see how the Supreme Court comes out at the other end without opening up incredible opportunities for the pro-life movement legislatively. The fact that they took this case suggests that they are really ready to allow Mississippi to continue protecting babies after 15 weeks. And I've looked at a lot of the legal scholarship on this. It seems very difficult uh, for them to do that without seriously cutting back on Roe versus Wade, if not overturning it outright. Now, that doesn't end anything. It really is just the beginning. If the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, then the pro-life movement really has to put its money where its mouth is and fight state by state by state for these children. That's going to be a very difficult battle, but at least we get to finally engage in it. We've been working towards this day for four decades, and now it's time to really believe that, that we can do it with God's help and to get to work and make it happen. 
And uh, the good news is that state by state, uh, there have been pro-life laws enacted in in recent years, uh, more than ever before. In fact, just in this year alone, uh, according to LifeNews.com, there's been, in the first six months of this year, 90 pro-life laws, which is an all-time record. uh, And that, of course, includes the heartbeat law down in Texas. So uh, more babies are being saved than ever before. And if, if Roe gets overturned, it goes state by state. That's right. But we also have to remember, lest anyone get complacent, that at the same time that pro-life measures have been passing, pro-abortion measures have been passing and being fought for. Here in the state of Illinois, where the pro-life action league is headquartered and where so many relevant radio listeners live, they're fighting hard to overturn our parental notification law. And we're in the battle of our lives during this video session to try to stop that from happening this year. We were able to fight them off in the spring through just massive effort. So really, it's all hands on deck because some states are getting more pro-life, but other states are getting more pro-abortion. Eric, how important do you think uh, the scientific evidence um, is going to be uh, in the minds of the justices uh, when they take a look at the Dobbs case uh, beginning in December? Because uh, the, the truth uh, that science is showing us is overwhelming. It really is a baby. Pro-life is pro-science. And uh, I, I think that, that that possibly could be in play. All you got to do is look at the ultrasound machines and how women are choosing life when they see those ultrasounds. Yeah, you know, there's a myth out there that somehow that we were in sort of dark ages about fetal development in 1972 and three when the Supreme Court heard Roe v. Wade. But in fact, the, the science on this was perfectly well known decades and decades before that. Uh, one of the first heads of Planned Parenthood, Alan Guttwacher, uh wrote a, a book in the 1930s, uh, The Making of Life, which talked about this as if it's common knowledge, how life begins in the womb. However, in the years since 1973, Ultrasound technology has exploded, 3D, 4D ultrasound. Uh, We've all seen those pictures up on the refrigerator door. Uh, It's become just impossible to deny what's happening in the womb uh, in those early days even. We've learned more and more about how the child can be affected by what its mother is eating, what the mother is listening to. It hears voices. It responds to music. Uh, We are able to do surgery on fetuses in in the womb these days. And so we've just become uh, overwhelmed with more and more and more evidence. And we hope the Supreme Court will pay close attention to that, particularly evidence about how the unborn child can feel pain in these horrific, violent abortion procedures. So I think it's going to be critical for the Supreme Court to consider that evidence. And we pray that this time it really has the impact on them that it should have had way back in 1973. Again, uh, for anyone who wants to get involved in some of these nationwide uh, prayer vigils that you're organizing uh, as we uh, come up uh, to December and the Dobbs case, uh, what can our listeners do? You want to visit ProLifeAction.org and scroll down to the bottom of the page and sign up for emails because we're going to be announcing big plans in the next couple of weeks as we finish up uh, Respect Life Month, which for the ProLife Action League has been a month of working behind the scenes to prepare for this incredibly big event that's coming up on december 1st at the supreme court so um, sign up at prolifeaction.org see us on facebook at prolife action and you will be able to uh be a part of this movement and be a part of all those hands on deck that we desperately need to make this thing really work eric are you going to do the womb christmas caroling that you've done over the years this year Absolutely. Peace in the Womb Christmas Caroling will be taking place all through December. And, you know, it's going to be especially um, important this year as 
we will have heard those oral arguments of the Supreme Court. We'll have a better idea of what the justices are thinking, and we'll have every reason in the world to be out there praising God and sharing Christmas joy uh, with with the women who are, are feeling so desperate. We, you think about getting an abortion at Christmas time. It's really a miserable thing to think about. And we're going to be out there sharing the, the, the message of Christmas, hope, and peace at abortion facilities in December. Well, Eric, I just wanted to let you know that uh, I acknowledged uh, your dad, uh, the late, great uh, Joe Scheidler, uh, one of the true fathers of the pro-life movement, uh, when I had a chance to, to speak to the folks at the Northwest Families March for Life uh, just last uh, week. And uh, I mm-hmm. wouldn't be speaking about life, wouldn't be even hosting this show uh, if it wasn't for your dad. That's how much he influenced me uh, to get involved in, in the pro-life movement. Well, John, so many people tell the same story about Joe Scheidler, and I'm just honored to continue his legacy and keep putting people like you and all your listeners to work on behalf of our unborn brothers and sisters. God bless you. Keep up the great work and continue to fight the good fight. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, John. Eric Scheidler, Executive Director of the Pro-Life Action League, regular contributor to Morning Air. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. by Kimberly Lotz. To the woman in Target, walking by the baby clothes, softly touching everything you pass with your fingertips, but continuing to walk by without buying anything, I see you. I've done it just last week. To the woman at the baby shower, who slips into the bathroom to hold back the tears and walks back out with a smile on her face, I see you. I've avoided them because of it. To the woman at the grocery store, seeing the pregnant teen and the woman shopping midday with five kids in and around the cart and thinking, why not me? I see you. I've seen this woman and secretly despised her for it. To the woman sitting in her car a little longer than necessary, parked at the fertility clinic before walking in for another appointment or treatment because nothing good has happened there yet. I see you. I've been there and just haven't returned. To the woman who prays every morning, every night, and a little harder every Sunday at church for a baby that hasn't come. I see you. God does have a plan speaking from a woman who has yet to have a child. To the woman who has the heart of a warrior and will never give up hope, I see you. I am you. To the woman feeling broken, you're not. To the woman feeling alone, you're not. I see you. I secretly cringe each time someone announces their pregnancy, even if I know they struggle because yet again it's them instead of you, right? I know we've all been there. In all honesty, each single person that struggled with infant loss around the same time I did last year is pregnant now. I can't help but be happy for them because it's something I still pray I'm blessed with one day. You're not alone. Even if someone did get lucky and happen to get pregnant after the first try doesn't mean they don't struggle after the fact. I personally love rainbows. They make me happy. I hate the term rainbow baby. I don't like to think of my first child as a storm who came through and ripped my life away. Honestly, I'd do it all again just to feel that same type of happiness, though I don't necessarily like the term. I do think each child is a gift from God, just like he made a promise to us with a rainbow. My heart is with you. Psalm 145, 19. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. 
Thanks so much, Glenn. Great stuff, as always. Coming up in the next hour here on Morning Air, you'll hear my conversation with attorney Andrea Pichotti-Bayer, who discussed how the Supreme Court can restore freedom for religious schools. And we're going to talk about a new purgatory movie that premieres in select theaters tonight and coming up later this week on Thursday with longtime television and film producer Oscar Delgado. I saw it last night, private screening. Very powerful film, very moving. Don't change that dial. There's so much more to come here on Morning Air next hour on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.